Hello, welcome back to Talking Tomlet. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osman, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Yuma Daf Nun Hey, page 55. So the Gemara is in a pretty extensive discussion about how the sprinkling took place of the blood of the par, of the bull, and the blood of the goat. And how do we learn it, right? They did sort of this one upwards and seven downwards, but they weren't really supposed to aim exactly upwards or downwards, and they're not really supposed to get the blood on the curtain itself. And the Gemara goes through a lot of uh, detail about that. And I'm not going to read, that's not what I'm going to focus on, but just pay attention to all of that detail. Um, and, you know, the mission that it comes from is directly what we read uh, during Musab of uh, Yom Kippur today. And so when it gets into the bar, it says, Achad, 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 um, Achad right? That that's of the count one, one and one, one and two, which I always thought was so, weird it's such a strange way to count but what they're counting is the one that you did upward and then one that you did downward and then the second that you know the one that you did upward and then the one the second that you did downward that's what they're sort of counting so they quote a price here tana rabbanan achad right so this is how they would count the coin gadol would say achad then he would say achad v'achad achad ushtayim achad v'shalosh achad v'arba achad v'chamesh achad v'shesh achad v'shava divrei ravi meir right so that's the way that we do it um, and that the, the one, the achad always goes first. Rabbi Yehuda Omer achad, achad v'achad, shtayim v'achad, shlosh v'achad, arba v'achad, chamesh v'achad, sheish v'achad, shava v'achad. Right? So the, they, Rabbi Yehuda reverses it. The low plege, right? The Gemara says, they're not really disagreeing about anything, right? It's basically that the Kohen Gadol can count the way that he wants. Mar ki atre, umar ki atre. Right? It's really just, each of them are counting the way that would sort of be the way that you would count uh, in 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 your place. So where Rabbi Mayer live, when you're sort of trying to do um, a, let's say a, what I guess some translations are that I saw you say compound number, you would put the general, the universal number first. So that would be the achad and then the specific number later. So if you were going to count 21, you would actually say, right? So in other words, do you say 21? Or do you say one and 20, right? So the, the counting that's universal here is the one. And so that's why you're going to always put the one first. Whereas for Rabbi Yehuda, right, it would, it would be the inverse, right? They would do the prat, the specific thing first, and then do the, uh, the, the you know, and then do the universal one, the achat uh, would, be, uh, would be second. So Rabbi Yehuda wouldn't say 21. He would say one and 20. That, that, that's what it's talking about if you think about it that way. So I thought that was interesting that there's no ramification here, that the, the, the distinction is just, oh, how do you count? And there are two different ways to count. And then the Gemara says, Both of them, right? Both Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Huda agree, right? That the first sprinkle, the one that's directed upward, must be counted with each and every one. You always have to have that word achat, whether it comes first or whether it comes afterwards. So then the question is, my time up. What's the reason why you have to add this achat? Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer says, shelo yit'et so that he doesn't make a mistake with the sprinklings, right? By always counting off with the first one that you did up, right? And then starting, you know, and then you go to the seven, you're going to really concentrate on what number you are and you won't lose count. Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, right, and now this is interesting also because as far as I know, they're not contemporary, so it's interesting to see these answers together. 
Amar Kra, and he quotes a Pasuk for this, right? Um, right? So the Pasuk says that you should do this sprinkling, right, in front of the Kaporet, in front of the ark covering you will, will, will sprinkle. She'en Talmud Lamar right? The Pasuk doesn't, right? The Torah, right, didn't need to have this word of he shall sprinkle because it already said at the beginning of the verse that he did sprinkle. So this verse is Vayikra, uh, chapter 16, verse 14, look it up. So sort of the word sprinkle appears there twice. So since it says the word sprinkle twice, referring to the sprinkle that was done upwards and the sprinkling that's done downwards, it teaches us that that first sprinkling needs to be counted each and every time with the second one, okay? Two totally different answers. Rabbi Elazar's is practical. Rabbi Yochanan's is like, it's a midrash halacha. And so therefore now the Gemara says, my benahi, what's the, is there a practical difference between Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Yochanan? And the Gemara answers, eka benahi, here's the difference, right? Let's say you didn't count, okay? But you also didn't mistake, make a mistake. So according to Rabbi Elazar, it's fine. The whole purpose of the counting is just so you don't make a mistake. So it wasn't ideal, but we're not going to make you repeat it. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's an actual halakha that part of the sprinkling involves the actual counting. Um, and so I thought that was a really interesting machlokas to present, right? What's the point of that counting out loud that we, you know, say so, you know, that we say very loudly always when we recite the avoda during Yom Kippur, is it just to make sure you got all the number of sprinklings in that you needed? Or is there something intrinsic? Is there something essential about actually canceling? And according to Rabbi Yochanan, it's actually an intrinsic part to the sprinkling itself um, because you basically didn't fulfill what you needed to do according to his interpretation of, of, of the pasuk, right? And what is that pasuk? It's actually not this pasuk, but some of the commentators explain that it's actually a different pasuk from chapter 16. It's verse 34, which says that all of this is a chukat olam, meaning everything that is described, right, for the Avod of Yom Kippur has to be done every year. And so if you don't do it, then it's like you didn't do the avoda uh, correctly. Ah, I mean, that makes sense, right? That even makes sense in our discussion the other day of not even a view, that everything has to be done very carefully because we're talking about Korbanot and the Beit HaMikdash and we saw, we saw not us, they saw firsthand what happens if you do it, you know, in a way that is not the way that is prescribed. So that makes sense. The fact that this is so detailed and we have these details of all the things that, we're, that we've been talking about and that I'm about to talk about that they seem not to know. This is really very detailed and preserved knowledge. To the, dis- to the distinctive up and down and don't do it this way and do do it that way. It's really interesting to me. Oh, yeah. The, the, the sprinkling wasn't just like you sprinkled. It, had, it was done very deliberately and very carefully. And they know, right? Meaning we know because it's preserved in our liturgy, but it wasn't just liturgy then, right? Like this whole dance of, of making sure that it, the blood is sprinkled in the right place. There doesn't seem to be any... Well, oh, fine. You've just gone through a little bit of a machloket. I'll take that back. But it's no, still. But, but I think when you look at the detail, I didn't read even the detail part so much. But the detail part that we know it's one in seven and you can't get it on the curtain. And what direction do you do it? It's so detailed. And I think that segues very well into the part that you're going to read. 
which is a part where, where we, there's a lot where of we confusion. Have a and lot you're of sort confusion. of like, this is what there's confusion over. Like the sprinkling is what I think there would be confusion over. So right, exactly. You, so you go Here ahead we go. Your part. <laughs> Here we go. So I'm at the towards the bottom of Amadalif, and we're it's you know going back to the Mishnah. We're talking about where the coin Gadol would come out of the Kodesh Kodeshim, right? And he would take that the bowl that would have the blood of the bull, right? And he would put it down on the golden pedestal that was in the Heichal. That's what he did. He would put it down on the golden pedestal. And then later on, right, he's going to come out. He's got a goat's blood in a different bull. And in a, it's going to go to on a different pedestal. But there's what we're going to see is that there's a real question because it seems that there was only one pedestal, at least according to Rabbi Huda. So that seems like a really concrete detail that is difficult to understand that there was confusion about it. Like they're talking about two pedestals, but really there's only one pedestal or they're talking about one pedestal, but really there were two. I feel like that's like furniture, you know, like it's a kind of thing that if you could only just take a snapshot, then you would just know. So here, just quickly, the Gemara, Rabbi Huda Omer, Lo hayu shofarot so what happens? Rabbi Yehuda says, and this is actually quoting from the Mishnah in Shalem, which we saw, right? On uh, it says Perk Vav. Um, Rabbi Yehuda says that there's no, you're not collecting any horns for obligatory nests. What does that mean? The kanim. We're still talking. This is the birds, right? If you're bringing, I don't know, a korban of pigeons or doves, right? And you're bringing them as sin offerings or burnt offerings. It's one of the carbonate that a woman after childbirth would bring, or we talked about the sota, right? There's different kinds of carbonate that would bring birds. So the the claim here by Rabbi Hood is that you don't worry about the Karen. We're going to talk about what the Karen is in a minute. You don't talk about these horns for an, for carbon that is obligatory. Now, why this is connected to the pedestal and the blood, we're going to see in a moment. My So it says, it says we, don't, we don't do this... Um, you don't have to bring because of the be, to the carbonate that are obligatory because of the mixtures. So the Gemara says, "What do you mean? What did the? What does it mean? Mipnei What is the meaning? Do because of these mixtures? Rabbi Yosef says that when you you've got a you have you're risking a mixture of the obligatory carbonate of the birds with the with the gifts, right? That's the nedava." You come just of your own free will. You come and you decide you're going to give a present to Hashem. What if that gets mixed up with with the korbanot that were absolutely mandatory, right? They don't want to make sure that they don't get mixed up because if, you know, God forbid, the kohanim would mix up, let's say, the money that's given for a korban that is obliga- obligatory versus, the, you know, it's going to be for a sin offering or for, for a burnt offering. These are the obligatory korbanot or they've they've been given money to purchase a, a nidava, right? It is sacrificed in the way of an olah, but still, you, if you mix those funds together, right, then you're messing up the people who are trying to bring the korban, and you're going to disqualify these particular korbanot. So what happens? Abai says, I'm really Abai, v'navi trei nidava. So Says, so then set it up so that you have two different ones right on it. This is for the chova, and this Abai is so organized, right? And this is for the nedavot, and then you're good. <laughs> Meaning, like this is not a difficult problem to solve. That you have to say we don't do a karen at all 
to collect the money because they might get mixed up. Make it very clear which is which, and then you won't get mixed up, right? That seems very logical. Um, but Rabbi Yehuda does not accept this. Rabbi Yehuda late lay kativa. Rabbi Yehuda does not accept that you could rely on writing, meaning that something being written down to as a as a sign to know what to do. He says it's not enough to make sure that the error won't happen. You could still make a big mistake by you know just using the wrong thing, and he wants to avoid that. So the writing. Put it labeling the the horns would not be enough. That's not Rabbi Huda Omer Lo Hayasham Ella Ella Kan Echad Bilvad. He says no. There's only one pedestal in the Beit Hamikdash. That's where they put the blood. You want to make sure that there's no confusion between the the blood from the goat or the blood from the from the bull. And the way you make sure that you don't have any confusion is by making sure that you only have one pedestal. So it's impossible to mess this up. You know, in terms of putting it down wrong, because you put the the bull with the blood with the bull's blood on the pedestal, and that's that, right? Meaning, if you want to suggest, and the government does says you want to, you want to, let's take two pedestals and you write it down properly. This one is for the bull, and this one is for the goat. But again, Rabbi Huda doesn't accept that writing would work because you could, you're still at risk of 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 confusing the two. And if you put it down wrong, you're equally just as messed up, whether there's writing or not to prevent you. You know. Um, so I find this very interesting for a few reasons. One is it dawned on me, and perhaps it should have dawned on me in Shkalem, I don't know, that the term Karen, right, that they, they basically had shofarot, they had horns that they would use to collect money because, I guess, because they're hollow, right, that they could use it as a horn, I mean, as a collecting device. Um, and I, and is in Israel when you have tzedakahs, right, like charity um, organizations, and they talk about collecting for the, Karen Ariel, Karen this, Karen that, right? Like it's always uh, the horn of, and I never like thought about why is it you, why is this term used? And I believe it's from here, right? That the funds were diverted by shofar. So it's a Karen. And I assume that this is why we're, it also means principal. Meaning Karen, the term is also a money word, but I wonder, or I believe, or I'm hypothesizing that it comes from here. Um, and then, as I said, the other thing that I find most puzzling here is that I understand Rabbi Huda's position, and I understand the Abai's position that you could write it and be clear. What is unclear to me is why this isn't something that they knew as a matter of a story that is passed down, except for the fact that we keep finding these things that they don't really know. And I have to assume it's because there wasn't enough Masora from the Kohanim who did this to the people who were not Kohanim or the people who are, you know, too many generations later. It's really sad that the Masora was lost. And not lost, not lost, but but not clear, not preserved in a pristine way. And and we see it. And that's why I say, Yordana, it's so fascinating to me that the Achat Achat, sure, there's a little bit of Machloket, but like for the most part, that is there in full. Not just there in full, they even brush off the Machloket. So like, oh, it just has to do with how you normally count. Almost to imply, like maybe each coin guddle did it differently depending on where they lived, you know, where they oh, that's from. Right, right. That's interesting. But again, like that's we're talking about my the piece I was talking about was pedestals. Like how many physical implements were there waiting to place there a bowl of blood? Like I feel like don't you know? And the answer is no, they didn't know. If it was that simple, then there wouldn't be a machloket over whether you could use writing or not. To identify, you know, to be an identifier. Right. 
Um, but I think, you know, what we're seeing time and time on this DAP, on these DAPM, I should say, is that lost Missouri. And I think you're saying it better. It's not that it's lost, it's not pristine. And it's interesting to see which parts are pristine and which parts are a little bit fuzzy. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Reverend Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talent Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 